Hey, it's Shane here. Throughout the majority of my career, I spent thousands of hours on my technique to try to be as close to perfect as I could be. But the one thing I didn't work on was my mental skills. On the exact mindset I needed every ball to be able to access all of my technical skills that I worked so hard to develop. Well, I've recently released my book, Winning the Inner Battle, which has all of the information that you will ever need to deeply understand how you can create the correct mindset for you so that you can bring the best version of yourself every time you step out into the middle. Go to shamewatson.au to purchase a copy of Winning the Inner Battle now. It is available in paperback, ebook, or audiobook versions. Well, it's now time for your episode of Lessons Learned with the Greats. Enjoy. Moments and games, big moments, key moments. I want it. I want the ball. I want to be that person to make the difference. Um, I feel more comfortable with the ball in my hand than in someone else's hand. Not to say that the other bowler or person cannot do the job, but that's just how I think. I want to be full control to make sure I get the team over the line, you know. So circumstances, scenarios of game, crunch time, I want to be the person to put my hand up and have a go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lessons Learned with the Greats. I'm Shane Watson, and today is another great day for all of us. This guy is one of the greats of T20 cricket, and yes, he has achieved amazing things in the other formats too. But he truly has achieved greatness in the shortest format of the game. Not only can he bat, bowl, and field, wow, can he dance. (laughs) DJ Bravo, thank you so much for being on my show. Thank you. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. (laughs) Um, DJ showed his true versatility across all the formats of cricket with him playing 40 test matches, scoring three hundreds and taking two five-wicket hauls. In his 168 one-day internationals, he scored nearly 3,000 runs and taking 199 wickets. So close to 200. that (laughs) one wicket. (laughs) Which is a phenomenal feat. And where things get seriously real is his T20 numbers. Not only has he scored over 1,100 runs in his 71 T20 nationals that he played, he also took 59 wickets at an amazing average of 27.11. DJ has played so far 471 domestic T20 games (laughs) and has taken a world record 512 wickets, which is well over 100 more wickets than Lassith Malinga, who is second on the list. And to add to this, he has scored over 6,300 runs too. Yep, this guy is a superstar of T20 cricket. Most of the time, we do get measured by how many teams that were in the win tournaments. Mm. And DJ, you've certainly been involved <laughs> in a lot of parties celebrating tournament <laughs> wins. <laughs> the biggest ones being the two T20 World, World Cup Cups. wins for yeah. the West Indies in 2012 and 2016. Yeah. Three IPL titles for the mighty Chennai uh, Super Kings. Three titles for the Trin Bago Knight Riders. Yep. And one for the Quetta Gladiators. That's just the name of you. I'm probably That's missing a few, a few there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you have been an integral part in all of those, all those wins. So yeah. that's that's phenomenal and incredible, mate. Um, I've been so, so fortunate to have played with DJ over the last three seasons for CSK, as well as one season, great season for the Quetta Gladiators in which we won, yeah. we've won two titles together. Yeah. And I will be honest, 
DJ's dance moves used to get on my nerves a bit, <laughs> especially after he got me out and just doing something. I hear what it. But now, after getting to know you so well, like I, I truly do think that those dance moves are super cool. Um, and you've got moves to be able to show it off, so why not? But the other thing that I love is there's your, your trademark moves normally coincide with your current hit that's on the charts at the moment, which I think is super clever. Champion. Okay, champion, that's okay. it. So um, before we dive in, there are two highlights for me that really stand out amongst so many of inc- the incredible things that you've achieved during your career so far. The first one is your six for 84 that you got against the Aussies mm-hmm. in Adelaide in uh, 2005. The Aussies had so many legends playing in that game. Yep. Hayden, Langer, Ponting, Hussey, Gilchrist, just to name a few. What do you remember about that time? Yeah, um, it's a... Uh it was my first tour to Australia. And, you know, as a kid growing up, you always hear when you play international cricket, the moment you start to play international cricket, you hear some of the teams you need to do well against. And Australia is on top of the list. Um, it was my first time down under. And I remember um, the first test was at the GABA. I, I, I get dropped that game. And um, the second test we played at Hobart, I scored 100. <laughs> test 100. My second uh Test hundred, and then when we go to uh, Adelaide, um, you know, I remember one afternoon bowling. I think I had like two wickets in the afternoon or three or something like that. And I saw Fidel Edwards in the elevator, and I said to him, I look at him, I said, I needed to get one guy out for me. If you get that person out, I think I can get the rest of them out. <laughs> and he, he looked at me, I was like, Who is that? It was funny enough. It was Brad Hudge. Yeah, Hudge. I couldn't like figure out work him out how to get him out um yeah. you know and next morning we went back and fidel did get um haji out and the rest was history i pick up three or four wickets that afternoon and you know be together a, a five wicket haul in australia was a great achievement also against some of the best mm-hmm. in the world and then they went on and get six wicket um one was my sixth wicket i remember um famous bowl and court yeah. <laughs> uh, definitely everyone they will always um, everywhere I go people always talk about that particular catch mm-hmm. um, you know getting Gilchrist out caught in the covers um, you know Ponta LBW so I remember it like it was yesterday <laughs> you know uh, like I said those are prize moments because test cricket to me is is the real is the real deal mm-hmm. and um, if you do well in test cricket, then you get a different kind of respect worldwide as, as a player. Yeah, I totally agree. That's a, The people who've played all formats and especially played had a big crack at playing test cricket. That is, it's a true test, isn't it? Yeah, and, it and, is. it's a, and it's a gauge across like the whole history of cricket as well, yeah. of test cricket. Yeah, well, as I say, once it, it, it is the ultimate of all cricket. You mm-hmm. know, yes, T20 and, and ODIs is there now. But, um, you know, as kids growing up, all we knew was test cricket mm. and that's all we was and aspiring to be test players, uh, represent our country. And um, I was lucky to play 40 test matches. Mm. I wanted to play more at the time um, I was dropped and then eventually I decided to retire. Um, but I have no regrets. Um, you know, like I said, I had 40 good test matches and, um, you know, some good performance against some good teams uh, around the world and, yeah. 
Some great teams. <laughs> um, okay, my second highlight um, for me that really stands out to you was pretty recent. It was your match-winning innings of 68 off 30 balls mm. against Mumbai Indians in CK- CSK's first game back after a two-year hiatus. <laughs> that was an incredible innings that got got us well, a win out of nowhere. Mm. I would love to know your mindset going into that innings because that was just that was that was another level against like world-class bowlers. Yeah, um First of all, it was excitement. I, um, you know, was excited to be retained by CSK. Excited to be a part of a team that is going to return to the IPL after two years. Uh, CSK and Mumbai does always be the biggest game, and I was really pumped and excited about it. And um, being a former Mumbai player, I always look forward to playing against Mumbai as well. Um, you know, but when when that. You know, we 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 bowl well. We bowl mm-hmm. well. One sixty, and I think we restrict Mumbai four at one KD, which is always a bonus. And I just never see that start in terms of where our batters in you know, the Mumbai getting early breakthrough and stuff. And um, but walking into bat, the honest truth, I was saying, well, you know, there's not much I can do. Like more than just enjoy myself at the crease. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and give it my best shot. I'm an individual, believe in myself a lot. I, I I regardless of the circumstances of the game, I believe I can make a difference. And mm-hmm. that's just my self belief. And um, you know, I never think I say, Okay, well, definitely we can't win, but let me see how close we can get. Mm-hmm. And the more I batted, the longer I batted, and I started believe more. Every boundary I hit, I started believing, believing, and then now I realized, but wait, hold on, the like you know striking distance, you know, and then I started to focus a lot more. So the first few overs, I was just playing based on freedom and just like you know whatever, let me give it a, a, a smack, and then I started to realize like you know actually we can actually win this game, and you know, and I then I started more calculated in my stroke play and and, and um it, it it worked out well and again if they asked me to play that in this again I don't think I, can. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I could ever play in this like that again. Um uh, but it was good to start off our campaign on a on a win and I think um the entire team built confidence and motivation and, and we went on a windy tournament so which is it's good. Yeah, it's a very, a very powerful start. But to be able to see how you navigated your way through that, no doubt there's mm. freedom from the start because it had to be. They're, they're aware with the position we're in. But then yeah. for you to be able to switch to and understand and be more calculated, which you could you could see that in that yeah. in the way that innings un, unfolded was yes, incredible. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um DJ, you've had so many phenomenal highlights throughout your career um, so far. Um, is there one that really stands out to you the most? Well, as I said, there's a few. Um, my first Test 100 is always special because it's my first and mm. you always enjoy your first. And, um, you know, my first was against South Africa in Antigua. Um, you know, winning the ICC Champions Trophy in 2004 mm. um, under my hero, my childhood hero, Brian Lara as the <laughs> captain, again, was um, something special for me. Uh, being the youngest player in the team at the time, also I was the leading wicket taker for the West Indies team. <laughs> so it was good to be a part of history. Uh, that was the first time West Indies ever win the ICC Champions Trophy. So, mm. um you know those two moments is very special. Obviously, there's a the T20 World Cups and stuff, but I have those two uh, moments as 
like you know my highlight and my first ODI 100 for West Indies as well against England in a champions trophy 2006 batting at number three so which was also special how'd you not stay up there then <laughs> number three yeah, 100 in a champions trophy against England yeah <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you play uh, for some reason um, you know people doubt my batting ability at times but it is what it is obviously uh, my bowling take um, the lead now uh, mm-hmm. most teams I play for now they obviously want my bowling more and my batting as a bonus um, it's for me to just remind myself at times that you know, I can still bat and still have the ability and still stay focused so I can contribute for my team with the bat whenever the time need yeah, absolutely that's that's the incredible thing that you provide in the teams not just what you, it's your clutch batting and clutch bowling which yeah. is so important um Okay, I really want to start with some lessons that you learned around the technical side of cricket. So um, from a batting perspective, was there one specific technical component that really stands out to you that you developed? So from that moment on, you knew if you brought that every time, hmm. you're, uh, going to be, you're going to be close to your best. Yeah, uh, my early days in my career, I must say my first two years or so of international cricket, I was a, a big onside player. Anything between... Middle, middle and off. I used to try to hit it on the onside. Um, very few runs on the offside. A matter of fact, my first test hundred, I have ninety-seven runs on the onside. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that big onside player, and then it started to get me in trouble. I started to fall over a lot, mm-hmm. get LBW, play across the line, bowl long, and all of these things for both for spin and pace. And it's, I started to worried. You know, like question my ability, like if I'm actually good enough for this level. And then I remember Clive Lloyd um, talking to me at one point in time. And, and that's how I started the bat now with my with my bat up in the air, <laughs> standing still. Um, that was uh, suggested by Clive Lloyd. And um, I worked, that's in 2006. Mm-hmm. And I practiced like it with it, that new stands um, for a few times in the nets and then I take it into the game and I start to feel comfortable, start to gain confidence with it and then uh, my offside play started to, to develop and um, I become an all-wrong player now, playing both on and offside and uh, so that definitely was a big turning point in my career uh, so Mr. Lloyd gave me the, that, that tips and um, to this day I still use it mm. and uh, so if ever Again, I feel like I'm not stable enough or not still or I'm falling over. I always remind myself to stay still, stay upright and and, and, and work with it. <laughs> it's amazing how something like quite simple of not tapping your bat, which does when you tap your bat, your body moves, your head moves. Yes. And yeah. obviously some people yeah. that's just that's how they're built. That's how they've like the old school batters you see like Viv Richards and Greg Chappell and yeah. all those guys used to yeah, lean over yeah. their bat and tap their bat. Yeah. Um whereas the the as the generation sort of gone on, a lot of people more so have their hands up, up. Um, in the in their stance yeah. because as you said there, if you're tapping your bat your head's over, and if you've if you've not actually pulled your head into line as the ball's bowled, then you're already committing your weight yeah, to yeah. the offside, the offside, the offside before yeah. it's bowled. So it's so, so cool how straight into you, you always leaned over. Yeah, because yeah. your judgment of your line is yeah. slightly is slightly on the offside. It's so off. you're always going to hit to the hit to the leg side. So something so simple, Clive yeah, Lloyd. Very simple. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. that's the one thing that I that I worked on. Like I used to have a tap and then sort of to stand, stand up. up, but. 
if I got my timing wrong, then my eye line was, I was, I was slightly more committed to the offside because my head was over a little bit. So that's why now I do stand with my hands up like you yeah, do in yeah, your stance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got less, well, no chance or less chance of being able to be out of position and your head, yeah, and your balance not being right. Yep. Mm, brilliant. Okay. You're always, you're a great hitter of the ball to be able to power the ball offside, leg side, um, over the boundary. Was that something that you you always did? Were you a natural striker of the ball? I just, I don't think, um, like I don't see myself as someone, like for example, when I compare myself with the, with my peers, my like Russell and Pollard and Gail and Darren Sammy and these guys, Rothman Powell, I don't think I have the ability to hit the ball as far and consistently as them. Um, but I know my areas where I can actually really have a good hit, which mm. is over extra cover, long off, um, you know, deep middle kit and these areas. So, um, you know, but uh, again, for me, it's about staying still. And, um, you know, sometimes when the ground is too big, <laughs> I, I think twice, but then I still end up hitting sixes. And it's yeah. like, just once you have full control over the ball um, um, you know your balance is right uh, you can hit the ball anyway um, so yeah but again being able to bat down the order a lot more now to finish off games mm. is something I work on because now most times when I go into bat in T20 cricket I'll face average 12 to 14 balls mm. or less mm. you know I'd, so definitely I have to learn to play those cameos they make 8 of a 20 of a five balls and, 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 you know, these things. So what did you have to develop from a technical side of things to be able to feel comfortable going in to an innings, mm-hmm. knowing that you had to, you're only going to have potentially 12 to 14 balls mm-hmm. and you had to try and score as many runs as you possibly can. Was there one technical part that you, that you still work on now to know I need to get in the hitting, into the hitting mode, make sure my, my techniques where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. So if they bowl it in my slot, mm-hmm. I can make the most of that. I just balance again. Okay. It's all about balance for me and and timing because I'm not the strongest in terms of power like these other guys who can miss hit a ball and go for six and stuff. So, uh, like yourself, who can hit the toe of the bat and still go rose. <laughs> I've seen you hit many hit the toe of the bat for six. For me, it's, it's, it's timing. Um, so when I practice in the nets, um, I make sure I, I bat. Uh, a, a particular way that I feel comfortable with my balance mm-hmm. and um, I don't really do a lot of big hitting in the nets but I make sure my balance is good I'm feeling good at hitting the ball in the middle of the bat I'm not falling over picking up the line and length early once I feel comfortable within myself with the bat then in the game I know I'll just react towards mm-hmm. whatever comes towards me but if I don't feel good in the nets. When I go into the game, I will also feel that pressure of not time. I'm, I don't think I'm hitting good. I'm, my balance is not right. So I always try to be prepared in the nets with bat and with ball. Mm. And just in regards to as, as the ball is running, and I find this really, really interesting, as the ball is running in, what is the, what's your thought process as the ball is running in? Is it is it a technical thought process or, or is it more – just clearing your mind and reacting to to what comes what comes down your way. Yeah, I play the game. I I'm more rely on game awareness, game situation. So if I need to bat a few of us, then I program my mind for that. So I take less risk in terms of trying to clear 
my front foot uh, try to hit the ball or or or, or do something silly um uh, if it's a moment where i actually need to step it up then you know i go into a positive frame of mind and uh while the ball i run in i i uh, depending on the ball he bowled before i'll try to read what he's going to come with okay. um if not then i just react to whatever he bowls and just back myself and my ability to 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 hit the uh, appropriate shot for the delivery. Yeah, so you you're trying to clear your mind to be able to react to the to the best ability your ability with yeah. with like really great intent. Yeah, 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 yeah. great intent. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, from a from a bowling perspective, mm. was there one technical key that you developed to become as a, as a great effective bowler um as you became and I'm I'm talking about this in mm. the sort of early part of your early part of your career? The slower ball is something that that add a lot of uh, variation and difference into my game and into my bowling, and um, I started using it early on in in, in my career. Um, you know, even in Test cricket, I use it, and also um, ODIs as well. And I remember a game India versus West Indies. It's a famous game with Yuvraj Singh. India needed one one to win, and I bowled a slower ball to Yuvraj and. He totally missed the entire ball, and um, so that I think that let people the world know that I have one of the best slower balls in world cricket, and I just keep working on it, improving on it. Um, you know, the the key to a slower ball is a lot of bowlers have slower balls, but the key to bowling it is when you bowl it, who you bowl it to, execution, and where you pitch it. Mm. You know, some players they don't want to pitch it too close to them because of they have the power they can still hit it. Others they don't want to pitch it too short because they have the ability to come back and and, and stuff. So execution is is a key. Um, I always encourage bowlers if you have a slower ball and you try it and it get so the batsman hit it for six. It doesn't mean it's a bad ball. Um, you just have to realize that execution was off, but never try to. Put your slower ball away. Mm. You know, it's a wicket taking ball. It's a weapon. It's something to have batsmen thinking. So um, I always keep working on it over the years, and it worked for me. I developed the dipping one as mm. well, which is also very useful on on, on good tracks yeah. that that tracks that don't have a lot of grip. Um, so you try to use the dipping one to, to to deceive the batsman in the air. So um, yeah, that's that's basically it. So talk me through how you develop the slow ball, the off cutter, but then the one that grips, but the other one that then dips. Mm. How did you develop that? Did you, did, did you work with someone or you just worked it out yourself? On my balls, I work it on myself. Yeah. Um, just from, I'm a big student of the game and I like watching cricket mm. and stuff. So you see bowlers have the different variations and stuff. Um, but uh, whenever I develop my own, I go into the nets and just practice by myself a few balls a few yards and then eventually I started to go further and further and then I started to bowl towards a batsman and gain the confidence in the nets and we'll try it in a game but the first time I try these balls in a game I make sure the game is in a safe position mm. you know I can't really experiment like that in a game the dipping one is basically I aim to bowl at the batsman tie pad okay. but I just pull the rev my wrist is what make the big difference my arm um, action remain the same yeah. for a seam up or my average slower ball everything remain the same just my plan and idea is to bowl as full as possible once i do that and 
pull down on the ball, it will automatically dip. And the batsman, his first reaction will always look to duck mm. or think because he'll think it's a beamer coming mm. towards him. Yeah. But once you take uh, speed off it, it will actually dip by the time it reaches a batsman. Mm. So that's just basically it. And do you change? Do you change your grip from your standard like stock ball, just like seam up, yeah. to to then being able to bowl that dip that dipping ball? No, I don't change my grip for any of my deliveries. Yeah. The grip remain the same. Arm speed remain the same. <laughs> it's just a matter of um, so. If I want to bowl a yorker, I grip the ball the same way. If I want to bowl a bouncer, I grip, the batsman was not able to watch my hand and know what's coming. <laughs> but everything changed last minute by point of delivery. Yep. So that's the only difference. So the dipping balls are one that you really just cut down, what, the side of the ball? At the side. Or, yeah, okay. At the side, side of, of the, the ball. ball. Yeah. Yeah. But the intention is to bowl a full toss. Yep. That's okay. the most important thing. That's a key thing. And the other, the key that you mentioned there, which is really important, is that your arm speed's still the same with your change of pace. Yes. Because the one thing as a batsman, the first thing that you do pick up is if the bowler's arm is slightly Slow slower. Up. So you yeah. get the the cue that it's a change of pace yes. earlier. Whereas mm-hmm. with you, because your arm speed's exactly, exactly the same as yeah. if you're bowling a bouncer or you change your pace, you pick up the variation after it's come out of your hand. Yep. Which then, which is the key to a, a, a great change yeah, of pace, right? Yeah. yeah so, um, for, so for people who are listening to this, just understand how important your arm, arm speed, speed keeping your arm yeah. speed exactly the same, and then by cutting down the side of the ball or whichever way that you do want to do it, yeah. that's the way that you um, that you challenge the batsman because of the way you cut down the side of the ball or the variation of your wrist, yep. definitely not your arm speed because your arm speed just keeps everything the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Arm speed will give it away if, as I said, as a butter and especially good batsmen at this level, the slightest thing they will pick up mm. and know that something is different. Even from your run-up, yep. some some batsmen know the way how a guy run up, whether yep. a sniff is coming or yep. a slower ball is coming. So you try your best to keep your technique the same, arm speed, run-up, Everything the same. It's just a matter of that split second point of delivery. Mm-hmm. You do something different with your wrist and um, that's make the difference. Some people have the knuckle balls. They mm-hmm. have different things. Uh, um, and those are balls I wish I can have, but I don't. And um, what I do, I tell myself, the weapons that I have, I have to make sure I master it and be great mm-hmm. at it. So yeah. that's what I do. Yeah, it's incredible insights, DJ. Brilliant. You're an amazing athlete and to be an all-rounder for as long as you have mm. is is an incredible feat. It's as, it's as simple as that. Um, so from a fitness perspective, what does your fitness regime look like throughout your career? Yeah, fitness is a big part, still a big part of, of my game, um, you know, and it also helps coming from the Caribbean. It's like natural for us. Um, <laughs> we are blessed with our genes, but yeah. sometimes even though you are blessed with, with it, you can't take it for granted. You still have to put in the work. And I encourage everyone to, um, you know, fitness is very important. And being an all-rongler, I developed late as an all-rongler because my early days from, um, you know, on a 15 cricket, school cricket, on a 19 cricket, West Indies A team, uh, West Indies Youth World Cup, I've been an opening batsman. So a lot of people don't know that. But uh, really? my yeah, my first year of representing my country in first class cricket, uh, I was an opening batsman. So I only started bowling at first class level at age 19 going into 20. 
What what did you do up till then? Yeah. You didn't bowl. No, I you know, I had the ability to bowl. Yeah. So I will bowl in school cricket. Okay. Um, bowl in school cricket. Will bowl in in um, a little bit in under nineteen. Uh, but like I said, when I make West Indies A team, I tour just as a batsman. West Indies uh-huh. and a 19 World Cup as an opening batsman. Um, and then when I came back from the World Cup, I uh, started to play first class for Trinidad and Tobago. And, um, you know, I was always in the captain is give me an over, you know. <laughs> <laughs> if something is going, give me an over, I can get him out. And uh, he's like, all right, come, come, give let me see what you have, you yeah. know. And then I started bowling three overs then eventually they say okay give me another over <laughs> so the three moved to six and I started to pick up wickets and that's where it all started but I always knew I had the ability to bowl mm. uh, because of you know playing school cricket and stuff and the knowledge I had for the game at an early age so when I get the opportunity now and I started to bowl more often started to pick up wickets is when I started to drop down the order because I started to move from bowling three and four overs a game to mm-hmm. 12 and 15 a g- <laughs> in a game. Um, uh, then um, straight into the test team. I made the West Indies test team because of my all-round ability and that's how it all started. And um, But like I said, back to the fitness, I, I needed to really be fit, physically strong and, and um, have good endurance because my game no longer just a batsman. I'm now an all-rounder. I'm bowling 12, 15 overs in a test match, um, 10 overs in a one-day international. You definitely have to be stronger. Uh, so um, what also helps with me is uh, I don't drink alcohol mm-hmm. and stuff. So I never have the problem of having a night out or feeling lethargic or lazy the next day where I, where I have to miss training or something like that. So... Which is good for me. I, I'm glad I don't. I, that's something I don't indulge in, and um, you know. But I always keep pride in myself and my fitness because I like to dive. I like to run around. I like mm-hmm. to slide. I like I like to do all these things in a cricket field. But now I get older. Um, I don't do those things anymore, and I have to respect the fact that I'm no longer 21 and 22. But I still want to maintain a certain level of fitness so that I can still contribute in the field with whether it's a field or bowl most four overs that need to bowl and you know but at the end of the game uh, you feel it more now as obviously as they get older but at the same time I think I'm still doing enough to, to be able to stay in the park and play tournaments and contribute and stuff but fitness is very important what did your fitness regime look like through your you know early mid 20s when you started to bowl or started to be picked as an all-rounder and you knew you had to get your fitness mm. levels, whether your strength and your fitness mm. to a point where you could bowl 10 overs in one day game and mm. and have to bat and get 100 if, you, if the team needed you to? You do, uh, well, with the uh, international team, you will have the team um, fitness trainer. Um, mm. So you work at a program with him. Um, my program is always designed on a lot of lower body strength, core, um, hamstrings, glutes, growing and all this stuff. Uh, with some endurance, a lot of endurance um, work as well. Um, not much of, um, as we call it, beach weights. Mm. Um, you know, as West Indians, we love the beach weights. <laughs> 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 we, we love the beach weights, but you have to understand sometimes the beach weights doesn't really add up, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but we do, uh, uh, for me, it's all about making sure my lower body is, is really strong. Um, I, I do shoulders a lot because I rely on my arm speed. Mm. 
to deceive batsman with my arm speed so i don't want i don't ever want to lose that and um yeah but i try to keep it simple try not to lift too much heavy weights and and and, and do any kind of bodybuilding weights cricket is something that you need to be fit you need to be strong but there's muscles that a lot of cricketers doesn't try to touch because like i said we all um you know love the beach and the instagram muscles but at the end of the day um it's it's not going to work yeah it's not functional no it's great advice there with because so many people do think that strength work to be able to be bigger and stronger stronger mm-hmm. is by doing your yeah, beach muscles and your yeah. sort of your, your major big muscles instead of doing really functional exercises. Yeah. So yes. you're actually working on the muscles and the movements that you actually need yeah, for to be yeah, for cricket. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's something yeah. that at times um, people and strength and conditioning uh, trainers and that move away from that they mm-hmm. become very generic with their and and get people lift really heavy yeah, weights. Whereas yeah. you do need to be functional. You need to be fast with your movements because mm. cricket's you know, coordination and and skill. And you don't want to have built up muscles that actually get in the way. You've yeah, been, you if you've move. been able to access yeah. that, yeah. I do a lot of speed and agility work as well mm-hmm. um, to to keep to keep my speed up, um, reaction time, uh, because cricket is something you'll be walking in slowly and then bam, a ball hit. You have to turn to your left or turn to your right and start sprinting immediately or you have to dive, make a quick dive or something like that. Um, so speed and agility is, is something definitely also work on as well. And just one more thing in around the, the fitness side of things. Um, looking back over your career so far, is there one thing from a fitness perspective, but I'm, this is more like body management. Um, yeah. Was there Would there be one thing that you would do differently if you had your time again to manage manage your body better? Yeah, I will um, stretch better. Okay, uh, in my early <laughs> stretch and warm up better. Okay, in, in my early stages, obviously a young and strong. Yeah, um, I I remember playing <laughs> even in the CPL. My brother, my younger brother Darren, mm. I used to always tell him, I hate warm up. Warm up is overrated. <laughs> 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 so now for the CPL, I I normally tend to warm up before the team start to warm up. Yeah. So I will get there early, do do my strapping up and go outside and walk and do my jog and stretching and stuff on my own. And he will just walk at the side of me and said, but I told warm up overrated. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you warm? Why are you stretching? Yeah. So you get to realize, um, you know, again, when it comes at age, um, it gets smarter, it gets wiser, you, get, you tend to treat your body better. Mm. But when you're young, um, those things don't affect you. Like you can turn up in a park and turn up to a game and just go yep. and keep going. You know, yep. you wake up the next day, you're feeling to go again. <laughs> but now it's different. But definitely in my early age, I'd uh, have a lot more appreciation for stretching and, mm-hmm. um, and, 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 and those stuff, yeah. yeah. It's amazing that if I had my time again, I would have definitely done yoga from a younger age mm. to like from you know my, my late teens yeah. and all the way through my whole career to be able to keep the length in my muscles yes. because as the older you get the more your muscles sort of tighten up yeah. especially when you're pushing your body with fitness side of things mm. as well even if you're not doing big heavy weights but mm. your muscles will gradually will get more tighter, uh, yeah, tighter. Yeah. so um yeah that's my lesson as well yeah i think <laughs> i uh, as you mentioned yoga um you know so obviously my second injury again for the uh, so i take the rest of the year off and i um i get my my trainer back home i said like you know 
um i need someone recommend that i should start to do yoga mm. and um so definitely i'm looking forward to adding that into my um training and my recovery program to do some yoga hopefully it it, it can help oh, it's been game changing for me I, i started doing it i think in like 2013 or 2014 yeah. and i remember like every time i went to warm up beforehand i'd be like jogging on like eggshells thinking mm. i was going to tweak something i was going to yeah. cut especially my calves and hamstrings yeah. but because i was sort of pre elongated because of my yoga mm-hmm. because of the yoga I'd done in the morning even mm-hmm. warming up was much easier mm-hmm. um and yeah i've still my body's always been a challenge to be able to manage it anyway yeah. but yoga definitely helped in a yeah. huge way and and that combined with no alcohol yes Yeah. That play that for me that played a huge part because the Aussie culture playing yeah. cricket is after you win have yeah. a few beers and that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but again, if I if I had my time again, I re- I know that there's patterns of when I've when I've celebrated and had some drinks yeah. that it's and it's not just immediate. It's like a five days later when just that extra fatigue because yeah. your body hasn't had a chance to recover. No. So combine that with with yoga. If I started started that those two things early and really realized how important those mm. two things were for my body, I I know I'd have had less injuries. Yeah, but that's that's part of life is learning, that's isn't loud. it? <laughs> <loud>. yeah. <laughs> um, DJ, you've always been a clutch batsman and bowler, um, mm. being exposed so consistently to the most pressurized situations in games. So, from a mental skills point of view, were you always built a certain way, or did you have to develop certain mental skills? that you use to give yourself the best chance of executing your skills under pressure? I think it's uh, uh, something that comes natural and also something that I strive on uh, because, um, again, I'm very competitive and it comes from coming up from a small village in Santa Cruz, which is, um, you know, same village of, of, of Lara, actually. Mm. Um, as kids, we, whether we play in soccer, we play in cricket, we play in basketball, we compete against each other and we want to win you know you're playing at the mates and you want to be the best and I, i i take that same mindset and energy into cricket and um you know again one of the reason why most of my success against in inter- international cricket comes against teams like england australia um you know south africa because those are the best teams in the world you know no disrespect to the other teams but you always say australia england australia south africa and i strive on competing against the best i want to match up against the best so mm-hmm. when i see i have to face shane warne or bretley like i look forward to that and it's like yes this come on let me see what you have if i have to bowl to them is the same same energy and in uh, attitude i have i don't believe in in failures i don't believe in um shine away from battles uh because again if you competing against the best and you can stand up against the best it means you have something in you that you know that one day you will be the best you know and mm-hmm. um that is instilled in me from a very early age and um till now it's still like that um so moments in games big moments key moments I want it. I want the ball. Mm. I want to be that person to make the difference. Um I feel more comfortable with the ball in my hand than in someone else's hand. Not to say mm. that the other bowler or person cannot do the job, but that's just how I think. I want to be full control to make sure I get the team over the line, you know. So um circumstances, scenarios of game crunch time, 
I want to be the person to put my hand up and have a go. <laughs> It's no secrets why you've always you've always thrived in those situations. So, but on the on the flip side of that, when you were playing in a game um, that doesn't get you elevate you to that level for that competition, do you have to manufacture that that competition to be able to still bring the best version of you to that game? Honestly, I never play a game where I have to be get a finer inner motivation okay. to be honest because every time I step on a cricket field I feel is my happy moment <laughs> that is what I look forward for to be on a cricket field because that's all I dream for that's all I do um so um I play the game one way whether I playing for my club back in Trinidad or I want to play a charity game I even if I play a charity game I want to win <laughs> <laughs> I want to do something special that people who come to watch that charity game remember mm-hmm. something they see, whether it's a little kid seeing me for the first time at the end of the day, this might be his first opportunity or his only chance he's going to see me mm-hmm. play. So I have to do something special mm-hmm. that that kid walk away from that charity. Hey, mom, dad, did you see what DJ Bravo do mm-hmm. at that game? So, um, I play the game one way high intensity all the time. The only time I kind of hold back is if I'm not comfortable in my body physically mm-hmm. and I feel like if I now come back from my injury, um, I'm not sure or I have enough, a little pain and in my mind thinking like I might break down or some kind of thing mm-hmm. like that is the only time I kind of hold back. But my attitude towards the game will never change. I always give 100%. It's a great perspective to have. <laughs> yeah, because that's the thing like – and it's interesting you say that because the one thing that Warney did incredibly well was was that as well. He wanted to be the man. He wanted the ball in his hand. He wanted to be able to uh, – for the people who came along to the to the game, to be able mm-hmm. to know that he did something special they could walk yes. away. Yeah. So that's going to make sure that you're you're up for every every chance. Every time. Every, every, every game time. you play. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, from a mental perspective hmm. – What did the best version or what does the best version of you look like as a batsman to start with? As a batsman, once I am not worrying about my technique too much, um, that is the most, that is the key for me in, in batting and bowling, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, if I feel comfortable in my game, so that have a lot to do with preparation. So that's why the key for, for youngsters who's listening and, and, and future cricketers, um, preparation is a key. If you, if you, Be honest and give yourself the best preparation possible. Then when you go into a game, you're under less pressure because you prepare well, you know, you hit enough balls, you bowl enough balls, you, you're, 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 you're clear in your head what you want to do come game time. The moment I start to doubt myself is if I don't prepare well, if I don't think like I'm bowling well, then I start, the doubts start to come in, you know, so making sure I have a good net session, good preparation in the nets with bat and ball as an all-rounder. Mm. Um, that is very important for me. Um, uh, but everything is, I'm very laid back. I'm very chill. I don't um, I don't beat up on myself too much if I have two or three bad games where I don't make runs or don't um, take wickets. Again, I go back to the process. Am I doing what I have to do in the nets for games? Yes, once I am preparing well and training well, but the runs is not coming or the wickets is not coming, I'm happy with that. 
because I know at some point in time it will come. But I'm not going to underprepare myself or shortchange myself and expect results in the game. The preparation plays a huge part in being able to have that inner confidence going into the game, doesn't it? And yes. if you if you know you've taken a shortcut somewhere, it will catch up. It will, yeah. it will catch up, <laughs> and it'll sort of be just in the back of your mind a little bit as you're going out to play. Yeah. With that, what happens if, say, the facilities that you have in the lead up to a game, what happens if the facilities, That's the good. train facilities aren't great? Mm. How do you then make sure that you're still going into the game with the best version of you mindset? Uh, if the facilities is not good and I don't think I was able to prepare the way how I like to prepare mm. before a game, I go back to videos. <laughs> I go back to YouTube mm. or, or something like that, pull up a game that, you know, whether it's a Test 100 or ODI or T20 spell or something. I pull up something and get back that muscle memory and that vision back running through that energy running back through my body again. Uh, so, you know, just to remind myself that, hey, this is what you do. You're good at this. You're good at that. And then wake up the morning, go to the game, um, you know, relax as possible and looking forward to fight again. Yeah, that's, that's a brilliant technique because – there's two ways, obviously, of preparation. One is the do mode, which you're actually there doing it if the facilities and everything allow, allow you to do I that. Love, but yeah. the other one, if it's not, because it's not always a perfect world yes. if you get the, all the facilities exactly how you need it. And like get in the, the Caribbean. If in the yeah. Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> it can be a little bit hit and, hit and miss. <laughs> so the, the view mode of being able to go in and tap into your best performances, so the visualisation and that muscle memory that you can just tap into, go, yeah, that was me. These are the things that I did really well yeah. on this day when I had a great day and that that is so that's has so much impact and I still do that before every game yeah. I'm writing I write down um you know my notes in my diary but then I, yeah. I look at footage of me when I've played my best yes. to one reinforce that that's me and that's yeah. the muscle memory that's inside of me but also if there's one or two tiny little things that you just pick mm. up you're yeah. like oh yeah okay yeah. my timing slightly out or just my bat swing slightly out or whatever it is it's the best version yeah, of you, yes, so you're yes. able to actually see it and maybe make a tiny adjustment even make without adjustment. going to training. Yeah, 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 definitely, yeah. yeah. So you you take notes and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Got to, absolutely, because uh, like for me, yeah. if I'm just thinking about thinking about things, I don't finalise my thoughts, whereas mm. writing it down, even though like I can't, mm. if I go back and read, try and read my writing, it's not great, Yeah. but I'm, I'm putting my thoughts down on paper. Yes, yes, so yes, there's some yes. finality to it, So okay. which for me is just, a way to be able to just get them down yeah. and then I'm, I'm clear to go okay. whether it's technical or mental like sort of <laughs> cues. <laughs> <laughs> the media can provide a lot of different challenges at times. Yep. So from what you know now, would you approach the media in a different way throughout your career? Um, well, to be honest, I never had any bad run-ins with the media to say the media have something to have a go at me or attack me or something like that. So I never really experienced any bad, light, heavy kind of feelings with the media. Um, I do I do not like when media um, criticize players and even when former players criticize players. Mm -hmm. No, those things I don't like because... I find um, with media person is their job and that's what they do and some of them don't know better. Mm. But with former players who play the game should know better. And to be criticizing a, a current player because you know become a former player, <laughs> I, I just doesn't can't understand that, you know. Um, but in terms of media scenarios, I am very 
easy with media, to be honest. What about around the time when the India tour? Yeah, the India tour. Yeah. Huh. How did how did you deal with that scrutiny? Because there was a yeah. lot, whether yeah, that's yeah. public or yeah, media, yeah. like combined. How did you deal with that scrutiny? Yeah, that was a big media coverage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, but that situation because I know I have done nothing wrong, mm. right? Um, you know, the media will say what they have to say. Some will be truth, some will be false, mm. right? Um, but I know what's the truth. I know my teammates who was there mm. know the God's truth. So I allow time to take care of itself. I never said anything publicly about that India tour mm. till this day. Um, but I know that one day I will have my say. Mm. And, um, you know, that India tour was a difficult one. Um, but I made a stand for my players as the captain. Um, I represent 14 other guys. And we all had a collective, collectively agree on making a team decision. So it wasn't a, a, a doing Bravo decision, it was mm. a team decision. But being the captain, obviously, I will be the one highly responsibility for the walk-off. And like again, it was, I mean, the walk-off on an India tour, the biggest cricket mm. tour, there will be a lot of media coverage. But being able to keep my composure, not react and, and try to answer every question, every media put out there. I just, um, you know, allow time to take care of itself. Um, I was attack home as well in Trinidad, in the Caribbean. Uh, we call, was called all sorts of names. Mm. Um, but like I said, I know within my heart, what I did was for the benefit, beneficial of the other 14 guys. And that's to me is more important. Uh, my credibility is more important than anything else. Um, and you know, at some point in time, the real truth will come out. And then, yeah, I just smile. I just um, never try to defend myself publicly. Anyway, um, the real smart people knew exactly what mm -hmm. took place. Yeah. The smart media knew exactly what took place. So as much as a lot of few medias might try to brand me or my teammates as as the bad boys um it was washed away quickly mm. you know that there's not much really come out of it um being this scenario because of such a high profile um series it was got a lot of coverage but it died on after a, a few while and yeah and are you someone who reads the media who engages in the media by reading it or are you are you someone who just doesn't read it because it's not you know you're true to yourself and you know exactly where things are at and you just don't let it like infiltrate your mindset whatsoever? Some I do read a lot, especially when I have to do with me. I will read to see whether it's if it's truth, okay. if it's not truth, if it makes sense, if it don't make sense. Um, so uh, um, yeah, I follow up on these things a lot, uh, especially when I have to do with my career and um, my brand and my credibility, like. The the last thing I want is to for people to try to spoil my rep, tarnish my reputation. That's the last thing. So if if a media outlet is printing something that is not true, I will try to reach out to that 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 various media household mm -hmm. and said, look, this is not right. X, Y, and Z. It's either you retract it or you apologize or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know. But again, luckily, I never really had much bad media dramas over over my career 
And um, that's fortunate. Yeah, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy like that. Um, I'm someone very outspoken as well. If I'm not happy with something, I'll speak my mind. Mm. But um, it will always be in the betterment of either a game, the tournament facilities, or in the defense of players, mm. or, or, or something like that. You know, yeah. it's always be like that. Yeah. In regards to social media, because you've got an um, incredible following on social media, if you were going to give advice, if you're giving advice to uh, a 20-year-old who's just coming into the um, international cricket scene, mm. how would you recommend them to be able to manage the social media side of things mm. to be able to make the most of that platform mm-hmm. but then not sort of get engaged in the, the pitfalls but of that platform the, as well? The, the pettiness of it. Um, mm. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. As I say, just as I say, in the media could make you and break you. Mm. It's the same thing with social media, and um, you have to know what you want out of your social media. You want to know. You have to know what you want your brand and your reputation to be like. So for me, my um, my social media is basically based around my family, my kids, mm. um, you know, my career, both music and cricket, um, you know for my brands that I advertise and stuff. But I try and keep it at a, at a, at a, at a level where I always engage in with my fans. I, be, I develop a big fan base over the years through mm-hmm. cricket and, um, you know, some loyal fans. And I try to uh, have an image and, and along with my performance, I always make sure, despite that all these other things, family and, you know, business and stuff. Cricket is my number one priority. Mm-hmm. I'm a cricketer first before everything else. And I know once my cricket is on point, everything has fallen into place, whether it's endorsements, whether it's kids, whether it's business, cricket is my number one priority. And once I'm doing what I have to do in a cricket field to make myself happy, my team, my family, my fans, most of all proud, I think the other things, you know, you know, because there will be some point in time you will have failures and you will hit rock bottom at some point in time. But the amount of good you do will always overshadow that because you will dip in form, you will have failures, but it will happen for a tournament or two. It won't be like a year going, you will not be performing, mm-hmm. you know. So once you use your social media a certain way, um, encouraging other people in a positive light. Uh, when you have those bad moments, those people will always be there with you and support mm-hmm. you and rally with you. Yep. Um, so for me, again, I always use my social media for um, always a positive side, upliftment. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at my page, you might see my family, see my kids, you might see what I do, my achievement. I will also try to promote other people as well. And um, yeah, that's it. But the downside is um, when you decide to get negative, when someone will send you a message because social media give people the luxury and the freedom to say what they want to say. <laughs> you know, you don't see them, you, you yeah. don't know them. Unfiltered. Yeah, they can, they can tell you how they feel, you know, especially when you play a sport where fans are so passionate, mm. you know. If you bowl a last over and, and you lose the game or had a chance to win the game with a bat, there was there are fans out there who will tell you how they feel and share their disappointment via social media, whether it's in your inbox, whether it's on your page. So, um, but again, you have to understand it's fans; they are hurting, and you have to like you know 
I I don't respond. I don't mm. respond to it. I see it. Sometimes I'm aware of it. Yeah. But it's for 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 young twenty years. It's important how you deal with that, and not allow it to get the better of you mm. or or get you in a uh, in a frame of mind where make you feel you earn the right to answer back that that mm. individual via social media or in a disrespectful way. You know you. Sometimes a simple thing. I remember one time we played against Rajasthan. This is a funny story. <laughs> uh, we played against Rajasthan. David Willie from, Eng- mm. from England was mm. playing with us. Uh, Rajasthan needed 28 of 12 balls. I'm sure if you might remember that game. 28 of 12 balls. Willie bowled a 19th over, right? Butler had a go at him, however. So the, by the time I get the ball in the 20th over, Rajasthan needed six runs. So you know how much runs really over went for? 22, mm-hmm. right? I bowled the last over. Butler finally get the, the runs in the fifth ball. We lose the game. Come back in the hotel, blah, blah. Turn on my phone, big message on my social media, Instagram, a direct message. A guy sent me a message. You lose the game, you make us lose the game and started abusing me, calling me the worst set of names, right? And I just replied simply, thank you very much. Next time I will do better. Yeah. And the same guy replied, oh my God, I'm so sorry. He apologized. Yeah. He said, I never expect you to reply. Mm-hmm. I was so hurting or whatever. So sometimes these people would say things of anger and all of these things, but it's not for you as the athlete to try and go on a social media fight with a fan or, mm-hmm. or with some a knobhead or somebody who is just hiding behind a social media page. Yeah. You know, I don't. Yeah. yeah, you can't. You can't win that. But you could never win that. But there's no doubt. Like by providing a bit of a face, like you know, just saying something that's going to disarm someone who is going hard, who's obviously angry or got to be in their bonnet for some reason. Yeah. Just by not engaging and just being like some putting something to disarm disarm them. It's amazing how quickly they can go, oh, I didn't mean it. Yeah, I didn't mean it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I guess you may be a shocker. I actually reply, you never expected. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. Know, so you get that a lot. Um, yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, that's no, great insights, DJ. Okay, this is going to get into other aspects of life away yeah. from cricket. Um, and I believe this is one of the most important life skills that most of us don't get much of an education throughout our lives. Um, and I, and I certainly didn't, um, but managing and investing our money, uh, money as well as we can, um, is integral to making the most of what we've, what we've got. Mm -hmm. So looking back from where you are now with what you've earned throughout your life so far, would there have been, would you have done things slightly differently from a, um, an investment or wealth generation point of view? Definitely. Um, uh, as you said, you know, when you when you start playing, um, most cricketers, for me, especially I talk for myself, we come from a humble beginning, mm-hmm. you know, parents don't have money and all these things, dad's working taxi and this and all these things. So um, when I started playing professionally now, I started making money and stuff. Like I remember my first paycheck I get for... Um, from my city's team, the first thing I did was renovate my entire family childhood home. You know, all, all the money went into that, mm-hmm. renovate that entire house and stuff. Um, you know, then I'll buy my mom a car, buy my dad a car, all these things because um, growing up seeing these struggles, you know, when you start to make it, this is what you want for them. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to be that son who provides this 
um you know so and then in my early stages being i was just loose with money yeah. <laughs> as we all are <laughs> we think it's a tap that's always going to be there going to yeah. be on <laughs> yeah cuz you know you have this whole 10 15 year career ahead mm-hmm. of you okay this is you you come from playing first class cricket when you make 3 4 500 us a game now you're making 5 6000 us a game so mm-hmm. it's a big difference um you know i was heavily big on jewelry and all these flashy things and then i get to realize at a point in time and as the old as the, obviously in any everyone the older you get the wiser you get you mm-hmm. know and i got to understand like these things don't make sense anymore no i think um the birth of my daughter change a lot and especially the the birth of my my second my first son is when i started to realize okay listen i am a father now i have to put things in place for my children i want mm-hmm. to give them the opportunity that i never had <laughs> so when my daughter turned 18 and my son turned 18 they must have a start they must have money in their bank account i must be able to be in a position to say okay doing this this is your lot of land dj this is your apartment mm-hmm. you know my parents can do that for me but i still was very thankful because the little that they have they they provide for me and make it comfortable so i want to do that for my kids and then i, I got to get smarter now where spending i don't spend as well as before i i get a financial advisor um the importance of getting a financial advisor though is not just get luckily for me i get someone who was who knew me like when i was 13 14 years old they know me when i was nothing those people who were in my life they used to assist me financially also before i make it in cricket so when i started make money i turned towards them like you know this is your guys strong point this is what you do for a living you guys manage some of the biggest companies in in trinidad so please help me and you know guide me and i give them full responsibility in terms of manage so when um again a few year, a few years ago my manager could have come to me and said you know you look point at a commercial building and said like you know you have 48% shares in that you have this and <laughs> you know so again me alone couldn't think like i would have never think like that mm. as i say i always say cash is king you know <laughs> cash is king cash is king <laughs> i want to be able to yeah. have because i never used to understand when he keeps saying to me um cash sitting down in the bank is nothing it don't it, that's waste of time you always put your money to use you know um i just didn't like that if he come and say yeah, i need to invest 100,000 here it's like mm, 100,000 like that's too much no mm. then later on i got to understand why he take that 100,000 and put it there because don't you know why he buy this piece of land for this mm. amount of money so again in my early days definitely if i still live my life all over again the amount of money i earn early on in my career i would have achieved and have a lot more now mm. but still i'm thankful because it wasn't too late mm. you know these people come into my life where i was still at a earning at a, at a high my my earning value was still very high mm. you know and i was still able to make good investments have good business decisions um you will always have regrets in certain things earlier on you should have done this you should have done that but i think as i saying you have to you have to get burned to learn you know we have to go through that we have to go through that that stage where you know we want 
the flashiest cars, the the, the nice house, the, the nice jewelry, the nightlife, all this thing. For us West Indians, we strive on that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we want to be able to have when we pull up, we have the hottest car. <laughs> <laughs> But now we got to realize now again, like now, it don't mean anything now to me. I, I look past those things. I now looking to see okay, what next building I can buy or have shares in and whether I could open my restaurant or something like that. That's, that's where my thinking is at now. It's very cool that you've been out, that you had someone or a few people that you could, mm-hmm. that you could really trust because one of the biggest challenges for, is for people to be able to find a financial advisor or advisors that are doing things for the yeah. right reasons. Yeah. Yes. Um, who are giving you the advice, not yeah. for their own benefit, but the, the benefit of, of you. Um, and that's, one of the biggest biggest challenges. So if you can find someone who you fully do trust, mm. like was with you from a young age, um, that's got incredibly value. Because I never found, so I'd never trusted, I didn't really trust people. Because yeah, I just didn't, yeah, yeah, I just didn't know. It, probably more than anything, I didn't know what I was looking for. Mm. Um, so if they put, if someone put something to me, I didn't really know whether it was legit or not. Yeah. Whereas once yeah. I did more research around it, mm-hmm. I had, I knew which questions are asked to be able to really find out whether they were really in it for the right reasons or not. But just with that to touching on, so with the investments that are really done well for you, yep. has it, has it been a comp, like it sounds like commercial property has been a big one for you. Mm-hmm. Um, land, is that yeah. more residential land or commercial yep. and yeah, some that, shares as well? Yeah. Um, so I remember when it had a recession, I never forget. Um, mm. What year was that? Yeah, 2008 GFC. 2008. Eight. Right. Yeah. 2008 I remember my manager come to me and he said um he saw two um two properties in Miami you know um you think we should buy them I was like Miami so obviously I thinking like there may be some crazy ridiculous figures mm. and he was like oh no we can get this property for 150,000 and we could get this for 125,000 I was like That's it. He was like, yeah, yeah, it's a good deal. Obviously, it's a recession. A mm-hmm. lot of people were selling a lot of stuff. And um, I was like, yeah, let's go for it. Um, you know, so we buy those things in 2008. We was, still, that, was that residential? Uh, yeah. Like a, just a house? Yeah, yeah apartments. Apartments, yeah. yeah okay. So we, and we still have it now. <laughs> um, it's The rent is going good. It's managed by a company in the US. And, um, you know, it was, again, if we used to sell that now, the, the, the profit we will make on it. You know, is 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 a big bonus. So again, being able to have someone in my corner who, because as a player, as players, we will never see these things. Mm. You know, these opportunities will pass us. You mm. know, um, so that is one moment um, that was a big, great investment. Um, I remember doing an investment in Guyana a few years ago. Now Guyana is now going to be the main hub. In the Caribbean, because it has found oil in Guyana. So, Have they? Yes, yes. So, in another three, four years, the development going to take place in Guyana is going to be ridiculous. Again, I have um, properties there as well. Hmm. Um, you know, buying land. I have land that you know that when I want to build a house or build something on it, I have at least I have it there. Mm. It's just for me to decide what I want to do with it. But these are things I will not, I will not know the real value of a land or how to buy it, what to price it. You know, even my house that I buy for myself, um, I have to call my manager and said, you know, I see this house there. 
I want to buy it. He come, he value, he do all the valuation. Mm-hmm. He asks the particular questions that I will not ask. Mm-hmm. You know, so again, it's good to have someone, but it's very hard to find somebody that you really trust because people these days, man, I just don't know how someone can rob somebody or be dishonest to somebody. And I am very thankful that I had this individual in my corner mm-hmm. at a, such an early age and uh, we share the same values in life and mm-hmm. I think that's why uh, we get along so well um, I see him as a father figure mentor for me mm-hmm. um, not just someone who handled my business and um, I'm very thankful for that so I can now focus and play my cricket and not to worry about anything so I have different people in my life who do different things so mm-hmm. whether it's my monthly allowance my monthly bills my my kids school fees my kids monthly fees and all of these things insurance um, life insurance i have people to see about all these things so um i don't have to worry about that you know i can sleep and close my eyes i know when the month come every single bill will be taken care of every um allowance will be sent off to to my kids and all these things Uh, what the, the hard part for me is having kids with different mothers. You know, that's the hardest part. It's not know. the greatest business decision. Yeah, that's, <laughs> a, that's not the wisest. Um, that's definitely something, if I said live my life over again, yeah. definitely will have one. one my same, if I can have my same three kids, yeah. one mommy. But again, it's life. I yeah. am blessed with them yeah. and I, I, I make sure that I'm be a, a good dad and support them everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Good on you, mate. I know you are very much an entrepreneur with the, the different <laughs> ventures that you, that you're so open to being involved in and, and getting yeah. involved in. So do you have any specific lessons that you've learned from being involved in businesses, especially when things didn't turn out exactly how you envisioned? I had a few hiccups, um, I remember one time, but do you have, I'm a strong believer in nothing happened before it's time. Mm. And what is for you is for you. Yeah. So I remember one time I wanted to buy this boat, mm. a, a, a party boat, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but in the Caribbean, I don't know if it's like that, how is it is in Australia, but in the Caribbean, Miami and these places, you will have these big party boats that have five, 600 people, 800 <laughs> people. And, Companies rent those boats, mm. you know, promoters rent those boats at the show a party and you will charge like about 10 grand for three hours, <laughs> you know. So that was my aim. I remember coming to Miami, see the boat, pick out the boat, come back to Trinidad, have all the business plan done, the deal, everything done. The boat come to Trinidad and all of these things. Ready to go, money ready to pay. And for some strange reason... We lose the boat because the the guy who bring down the boat to sell the boat do a side deal with someone else. So the person pay him extra under the table, oh. right? And they was able to get the boat off for me. And, you know, we go through so much to do the business plan, everything, money ready to go to do down payment. And then when my manager called me and tell me we lost the boat, I was like, what do you mean we lost the boat? And I can't believe it. And I was like, that is something I wanted because, again, I'm big into those kind of things like party and nightlife and stuff, music mm-hmm. and all of these things. But at the same time, 
I know it's a big business in Trinidad because from Thursday to Sunday, you will have like about five, between four to six boat rides per day <laughs> at 10 grand every three hours. So mm. every time that boat go out and come back in, you're looking at 10 grand, 10 grand, 10 grand. So by the weekend, you're looking at the almost closed out, <laughs> right? So when I lose it, I was like, I was devastated. Like I was really devastated. And then I was like, you know what? Maybe it wasn't for me. <laughs> and I just say, okay, what's next? What's next? My What's my next passion? What's my next love that I want to do? Music is something I want to do. <laughs> and, um, you know, I get involved in the music business. Uh, I always wanted to open my own studio. Again, I remember having a meeting with some uh, music people in Trinidad along with my manager. And they said to me, why you want to open a music studio? It don't make sense. Um, you wouldn't make no money. All these negative things they said to me. And I walk out that meeting feeling depressed and like, am I making the right decision? Like, what's really going on? And I started to think to myself and I was like, you know what? My dream and my vision cannot be someone else's dream mm -hmm. and vision. Exactly. I pick up the phone, I call my mom, I say, I want to build my studio. <laughs> I said, oh, I'm not interested in any of what these guys said. If we don't make money, no problem. I want to build my studio. I want to be able to have a facility that I can provide that people can come and record. And, you know, I, will, I must be able to help people who can't afford studio time and all of these things, they must be able to come to my studio and be able to record a song and, you know, I must be able to produce and all of these things and, you know, get the entire corporation and that and to be able to come and rent my studio and, and all that. So now it's, it's, it's come to a reality. It take me two years. Two, but, oh, right, two yeah, years. Yeah, it okay. took me two years, but it happened. 47 uh, Productions, 47 right? Production is up and running. When did it open? Um, I launched it... Uh, I launched it two days before CPL. I went into the CPL bubble, which was the 14th of um, August. 14th of August. Okay. 14th of August. I, I launched it. That's yeah. when I had the launch. Um, you know, I invite all the music stars in the country and everyone was mind-blowing because it's the best facility in the country, in the entire country. It's the best production studio in the entire country. Wow. Now, I haven't seen all the studios in the Caribbean, but from what mm. I was told from all those other artists who came there, they said it's easily, if not the number one in the Caribbean, <laughs> then definitely the top three of the entire Caribbean. And that's what I wanted because they have so much international hip-hop and R&B stars come from the US, mm. come to Trinidad and Tobago for the relax, they come for a carnival. I want to be able to, so if Nicki Minaj or Drake or one of them come to do a show, do a concert, they must be able to come in 47 production. So that's my, that's my next hobby. That's my next baby after cricket. Um, I'm passionate about music, passionate about it. And I always like to do things at a high standard, a high quality. And now I can say I have my own production studio. Um, you know, I can safely say I have achieved something else that I set my mind to. One of the keys there that you said is about your the, your passion mm. is really is finding your passion and then following through with it. And again, yeah. that takes that does take um, oh, it takes balls to be able to mm. go. Okay, well, this is my passion, and mm. I'm going to chase it because yeah. there's other people who are saying it's not their dream. Yeah, 
but you know what's mine, so I'm mm-hmm. going to commit to it. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people get put off by some other people saying, "Oh no, nah, I don't yeah, think it's going to work." Doesn't make sense, yeah, yes. because it's not their dream, as you said, and that's a great perspective. But um, I find it, I find it so cool. So, in a perfect world, yeah. say in 15 years with um, 47 productions, mm-hmm. how how would it look in say 15 years if everything goes exactly to plan? If everything go according to plan, so I have my own music label now, so 47 <laughs> Music, so um, still getting up up um, early. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to start to sign artists towards my label. <laughs> Just like how you see Jay-Z have mm-hmm. Rock Nation, um, Didi have Bad Boys, mm-hmm. DJ Khaled have We The Best. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I watch these people <laughs> and I see myself being like them one day, you know, um, slowly but surely. So I will start to get artists now and sign them to 47 Music, um, invest in them. So do a two-year deal with them and said, listen, for the next two years, I'm going to pay for your studio fees. I'm going to pay for your production. I'm going to pay for your, your music videos. I'm going to pay for your clothes. I'm going to do all these things um, for this particular artist with the with the hope of, okay, she get a big song or he get a big song and a bigger record label see them and won them and then they come to the champion. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to pay for it. <laughs> Cash is king. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's it. You you make notes of, of everything that you spend, mm. um, how much amount of hours, um, video shoot, songs they, they produce so you you document everything that you spend and all of these things and you know in a when you do contracts with them you do a a, a contract where you get to recoup all 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 your spendings and then if they eventually make it big you take whether it's 10 percent or 15 percent mm. of whatever endorsement or label these or whatever mm. so that's 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 my aim and i but i also want to keep um not just produce music but eventually go into um, videos. Mm. You know, you must, my facility provide that as well. And, uh, you want to do a song, you want to shoot a music video, you do it there. You know, um, rent out the studio to companies, artists who want to come and use the facility as well. So 10, 15 years time down the road, um, you know, uh, I want to also do like, collaboration signings with one of those big big house in the US mm. so that's that's my long term aim you know at some point in time if it means I have to take a plane go to the US go and knock on DJ Khaled door or something <laughs> find a way like I'm saying this now and I know at some point in time one of these people I have to meet them mm. even if it's a sit down and get information from them, get ideas from mm-hmm. them. I have to meet Didi. I have to meet DJ Khaled. Somebody, they have to show me how they get so great because yeah. I want to do it too. Because my story is, is is a one-off where you don't see someone who is a high professional athlete that dominate his sport for 10, 15 years and then also doing music at the same time and having success in it at the same time. It's very rare you see someone do that, you know? So, um, and again, I have my own production studio, I have my own label. So it's just, I just think 
the connection at some point will happen and then that's yeah that's it for me but i want to be able to give people opportunities to shine from my country mm. trinidad and tobago must we must produce some more stars music wise it's two things two things that you touch on there that really stand out to me one is your genuineness to really give back to people mm. like what you said like to be able to provide a facility that people who can't afford studio time for yeah. example to be able to provide a facility where people who if they've got dreams and they've got mm-hmm. talents to be able to nurture that, that's something that is, the, but that's you, that's a genuine thing yeah. to give back to people. But the other thing that I find and I absolutely love, because I don't meet that many cricketers who've got this exact same mindset is why can't you be incredibly, have a very successful career on the cricket field, but then your life after and life away from cricket, why can't you have similar success yeah. in a different field or different fields yeah. and a lot of people that I talk to is like I yeah. know oh, your highest like whether it's and it's not just your high success it doesn't necessarily mean um, earning capacity but yeah. it's more so around well you know, to, to be able to try and get the heights of reach the heights of what you were as a cricketer it's hard it's like yeah. you, like you can't like yeah. that's what yeah. a lot of people say you can't yeah, I'm yeah. like well why yeah. why not yeah. yeah well why do you have to sort of yeah. put that ceiling to go yeah. well the next phase of my life Whatever success looks like, why mm-hmm. can't I know? Yeah, you've got to start from the bottom in a way. You know, like if you're like you're starting your own business, your production, you have to start somewhere, mm-hmm. like you did with your career. Career, yeah. But why not in 10, 15, 20 years, like it, it took to it, be able to develop your own career? career yeah. Why can't you be hit that hit that level as well and hit that goal? See and I love I, I yeah. love that mindset because that's exactly how I think. Yeah, I'm like, why does it have to be that way? Yeah, exactly because even even with music. Like when I first started, I started singing, trying to sing. At um, you know, in 2013 was the first time I recorded my first song ever, mm. and I never knew how difficult it was. Mm. I had no idea how it was to record a song. I didn't know when to go up and to go down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no clue about music. I'm a big fan of this guy called Beanie Man, who is in the Caribbean. Um, in terms of dancehall music, is like the Bob Marley of dancehall music. So he's okay. the biggest superstar in the Caribbean. So I'm a big fan of him. And I always wanted to meet him. And and then when the first time I meet him, I, the first time I felt starstruck in my life, when I first saw him, and then we become close friends. And I made a joke with him and I was like, you're the king of the dancehall and I'm your friend and I don't have a song. I want a song. I want. I would like to do a song with you. And he said, yeah, sure, no problem. He took me to his own studio and we recorded a song called Beanie Man and Bravo. And they all started laughing at me because I had no clue <laughs> how to start. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't know how it, I had not, no one inch of a clue about music. And yeah. then after that, I was like, Time, nah, I will never ever try that again, you know. And then I was like, you know what? Let me give it one more try. I try again, and then people started to criticize, and people started to talk. Mm. Why you don't stop that? You, you done playing in cricket already. You can't sing. You can't do this. You can't do that. I say, oh, I can't. Okay. <laughs> the moment they tell me I can't is when I say, okay, no problem. I'll show you. Yeah. All right. And that is when I get serious about it and then start to do more songs. I started to get more comfortable. I started to understand music more and the art of recording. And then comes champion, <laughs> you know, and then. Wasn't that a perfect storm? Uh, yeah. 20, 2016 World Cup, World Cup, T20 World Cup yeah. in India, champion, 
That's wow, it. that was Gone. a perfect storm. Perfect. And Straight again, in the stratosphere. If I had listened to people, mm. there would have been no champion. Yeah. There would have been no DJ Bravo brand, mm. you know. Mm. So I don't listen to what people say. I, I am passionate about something. I believe in something. I go and do it. And I just keep going, keep pressing. It's a great life lesson, mate. And that's exactly what every everyone who's listening to this, mm. it's such an incredible trait is to – is for what you're, what you're passionate about, what you believe in, don't listen to the white noise because there's always going to be people saying you can't yeah. do things, you can't do this. But you know why? You know why people do that? What do you reckon? Because they wish they could have do it too <laughs> and they can't, <laughs> you know? So they want you to be a loser like them. They want you to just be a nobody. Mm. They will not like put themselves in a position and said, in Oak, for example, and Will Smith is an actor. Mm. And he do music also. You don't hear anyone criticize him. Mm. You don't hear anyone say, "Well, he's acting, so why are you singing?" Mm. You look at Fifty Cent and these guys. You know, they rap, they make movies. Now they're producing movies. Mm. He he have his own butter water. Mm. You know, big people think that way, mm. and they make brave decision. It's only people who not comfortable in their life or not happy or jealous. They always try to do the negative things. Don't do this. Don't do that. That wouldn't work. You can't do this. You can't do that. But they're also not willing to expose themselves as well. They're scared. By, yeah, exactly. By not taking an opportunity and thinking about, oh, if it, oh, if it fails, what happens? Oh, what am I going to do? That, that, they're scared. Absolutely. Yes. They're, yeah. they're not, they don't have the conviction to go, you know, I don't care if, if yeah. it fails. You know what? It's a great learning experience. Yeah. I'm going to learn from it and next time an opportunity arises, I'm going to make a better um, fist of it because I've learned these lessons along the way. Whereas majority of the people or all the people who say yeah. you can't do it, yeah. don't do it, why would you do it? They're the ones who they just they play it safe and they don't want to expel, expose themselves to failure. Failure. But how do you reach, how do you reach the heights that you want to? My motto in life, my motto in life is try and fail, then fail to try. Mm. Understand that? Love it. <laughs> love it. Absolutely, that is, <laughs> that is absolutely right. Yeah, it's best you try and yep. fail, then you fail to try. Because yep. you never know what could happen. You don't know what's out there in the universe for you. <laughs> you don't know. Let's give it a go. You got to write a song about that because that's that is absolutely. <laughs> Spot on because people like oh. there are a lot of people out there who they fail to try because they don't they don't want to know what could happen on and the on the downside on the of flip it. Side, yes, instead of going, you know what? Yeah, if I don't if I don't take something on, how do I know whether it's actually worked how or not? Would you know? Yeah, give it a go. You never know. I remember training <laughs> with uh, John T. Rhodes at time. Mm. He was a feeling coach for Mumbai when I was playing for Mumbai, mm. and he was like, if you don't go. You will never know. Like, mm. So when there's a catch, mm. just go. Just throw your body. Mm. You never know. It might stick. Mm. And that always stick in my head. Mm. If you don't go, you will never know. Mm. Give it a go. <laughs> it's a great philosophy, man. They can, and now I fully understand exactly why you've had as much success for so long as you've had. And people who listen to this as well will fully realize because of your, your mindset, your philosophy on life, if you don't, don't go, you will yeah. never know. Yeah. And that's a great, a great way to live your life because you push the limits of, of what you've got and how good you can be yes. across all formats of life. So yeah. good for you, mate. 
Good for you. Um, final question. Mm. And I'm so grateful for your time and these insights are phenomenal. Um, you've met and been around some of the most successful people in the world. Um, is there one person who has inspired you the most and why? They're not like one particular person. Um, there's a few people that I cross paths that really, really inspire me a lot. And um, I look up to them a lot. Um, the guy that I just mentioned, Beanie Man, <laughs> definitely where music is concerned. Um, this is the, but he's the only person, like I said before, I felt starstruck. Like the first time I see him, I was like, I can't believe I'm actually seeing him, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So he, he is definitely that guy, music-wise, inspired me the most. Yeah. Um, my father, because I was telling Tommy, the physio, two days ago, yesterday was my dad's birthday, he turned 69, okay. right? And I'm saying to Tommy, as strange as this may sound, but this is the God 100% truth. My father turned 69 yesterday. And my father do not own a bank account. He do not have a credit card. He do not have an ATM card. And he's 69 years old. And that is not because he can't have one, mm. right? But the way how my father lived his life is like it showed me that sometimes money is not everything. Mm. You know, family is important. And for somebody who never had much... Um, have two sons now who have money and have success in cricket, my brother and myself. My father never take advantage of that situation and mm-hmm. said, listen, I need you to buy this. I want this. I want that. Um, I need $5,000. Nothing like that. I, my, my dad will ask me for $500 and if I give him six, he'll give me back the next one. <laughs> you know, and to me that says so much to me that there's more to life beyond just having money. Money is important. Yes, it's good to, for, for comfort and safety for family. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it shouldn't be an ultimate goal. It shouldn't look, want to do beyond just to get money. No, mm-hmm. yeah, that is not happiness. You know, as I say, more money, more problem because the more you have money, you have uncles and aunts and cousins coming that you never see before. You never know <laughs> coming knocking yeah. on your door. You yeah. know, they, so. But at least see how my father lived stress free, mm. stress free. Happiest guy on the earth is my dad, and that is some. He's my role model, like mm. you know, um, you know, and Doni Ms. Doni is somebody who I learn a lot from him. It, because when I started to play for Chennai Super Kings, a few years later, I become West Indies captain. Mm. And I learned a lot of leadership when, when under him, when it comes to him and being able to treat people equally and, and all of these things, create an environment and a dressing room that um, your moods should not change despite the, 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 the results of, or, or, or this, despite the performance of players. Mm. Must always be level-headed be honest with everybody. Um, so he's good at that. And I, I think I'm also good at that as well because, um, again, being a, a sportsman, I know there's times you will fail, you know, and being a leader, you want someone who's playing for you, who's in your team, when they're not performing well or they're failing, you still 
have an environment that they feel comfortable mm-hmm. and make that individual feel comfortable as well because they will always want to play for you always want to come back and play for you so um you know yes ms beaniman my dad and lara brand lara oh, yeah. <laughs> my childhood hero Jeez, yeah. the master yes yeah. he he from since i was five years old from the time i know how to say the name brand lara mm. i wanted to be like him yeah that was the guy we can see why like i've there's been times where i've been watching the cricket for yeah. some reason in a mirror yeah and like his bat swing gosh uh, <laughs> seeing you left-handed <laughs> just like pc lara yes, yeah yes. He's yeah. the master. So yeah. he those those four people are um, really special. Um in terms of meeting people and stuff through all day, I respect people a lot mm. and I appreciate playing with other great talents around the world. So that's what I like about my career and you know be able to come across just like how a lot of people might not know me personally they just play against me so they will have their own assumptions going through the head oh, yeah, he dance too much oh, he's fucking he's a dick he's a wanker <laughs> yeah but I always enjoy because I will see some players play against them and also wish I could play with them mm. at some point in yeah. time you know so funny enough you was one of those players <laughs> that's why I yeah. greeted you I greeted you first time finally yeah. I get to play with you yeah. um, AB De Villiers is the next player I would love to play with mm. um you know, Virat also, that's the experience, his aggression. On the field, uh, it's only on the field, off yeah. the field, he's, he's an yeah. incredible guy. Yeah, that's the, yeah. The, the, like the, because I like people who play the game with heart and passion mm. and, you know, so I would have loved that opportunity. But again, you can't get everything that they want in life, but mm. I was blessed to play some great players and some great teams. So I'm yeah. happy. And just touching on what you said there about MS, uh, mm. about the environment that he creates mm. is around not um, not riding the waves of emotion through results, good and bad. And that's an incredible talent that, he, that he's got. Mm. Um, that, and I don't know if he's always been that way, but – and he's um, obviously educated other people around that as well, that that's, mm. that's, how it, that's how it can be, even in the high-stakes environments when yeah, everyone expects results yeah. and the best results – that you can still maintain a really calm um, energy around the group and not just ride the waves, the ups and downs, because yeah. especially when things aren't going well, then it just it, it increases the get messy. oh yeah, absolutely yeah. <laughs> the stress and the yeah. worry and anxiousness around the group, and mm. everyone then becomes very it becomes very individualized. Everyone starts looking after themselves, yes. and that's yes. that's um, yeah. <laughs> That's I think, not a good um, environment, environment to have. I think what also helped MS is having someone like Flem mm-hmm. with him. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people that captain-coach relationship is very important in any team environment. Mm-hmm. And the two of them are similar in a lot of ways. You look at Flem and he, throughout his career with New Zealand. Um, and that's why people say he's easily one of the best captains ever played the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were, we are blessed to have him as a coach and MS as a captain. Uh, and um, CSK also, especially MS, he big, he's big on personalities. He's big on players. When they come to CSK, their attitude is right. Mm-hmm. Again, perform. He don't judge players based on their performance because you know, you know whether you perform or not. That shouldn't judge you as a person. Mm-hmm. But if your attitude is right, you will last longer mm-hmm. with, with him and you know, obviously CSK and stuff. So um, that player-coach combination is... It's a great combo, mm. and um, I think it helped all of us as players um, yep. in our careers as well. Yeah, and you don't very well, very rarely do you find that 
coach captain coach combination being such a perfect blend like yeah. it is with Flem and, and MS. Yeah, don't see so, that so lucky, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. DJ, this has really been so yeah. incredibly special to have had you on this episode of Lessons Learned with the Greats. Yeah. Um, you are the ultimate cricketer. Um, with you being able to dominate with bat, ball, and in the field like you have for so long, and now we've all been so fortunate to hear the insights into what made you one of the modern superstars of world cricket. I can't thank you enough for giving me the time to share all of these amazing insights with us and we are all that much richer for digging deeper into the mind of one of the greats of world cricket. Thanks, mate. (laughs) Thank you very much, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Good on you, buddy. For more episodes of Lessons Learned with the Greats, head to t20stars.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.